Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Hi, this is Jason McNamara. I'm actually the co-host for today. Um, we're experiencing a little bit of a technical difficulty this morning, so we hope that uh, you bear with us for a moment. But um, want to welcome you back. Happy New Year. Um, I haven't had a chance to to be on the radio yet for the new year, so I'm excited for some of the, the new guests that we have with us today and, uh, and going forward into 2016. And uh, I wish that you and your families have a beautiful and safe uh, new year. Just want to make sure that uh, we have our guest with us today. Hi, Teresa. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, ma'am. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. We're uh, experiencing a little bit of a technical difficulty this morning, so um, ask that you bear with us for for just a minute. But um, okay. I, I think just in the in the effort of time, it would be wonderful if you could uh, share a little bit about who you are and your backgrounds uh, for our listeners while we fix some of the technical issues. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds great to me. Awesome. Um, my name is Teresa Jackson, and I am a retired Air Force nurse. I actually retired after 23.5 years and 14 days of active duty service. Um, I came into the military. <laughs> thank you. I came into the military right after high school. I knew that the Air Force was the way to go for me. Um, I wanted to relieve my parents of a financial burden of having to put another um, child through college. And so I chose the Air Force as my means to get my education, and I got my nursing degree through the military. And uh, with that, I was deployed four times, um, one to Israel, Turkey, the second to Iraq, the third to Iraq, and the fourth to Afghanistan. And so um, along the way, I've learned a lot. I've seen a lot. And now I'm out here as an advocate and ambassador for um, PTSD survivors. How did you um, find yourself as an ambassador for PTSD survivors? It's a very interesting question. Um, what happened was last year, 2015, um, I was trying to figure out how I could give back to veterans, and I knew that I was struggling, and I had struggled with PTSD. And so um, I decided to come out and expose my challenges to Prevention Magazine. And from there, it kind of took off. I, I kind of allowed myself to be open and genuine about my challenges. And I've received so many comments and so many outcries of people wanting help and needing help that I just felt like now that I have the tools that helped me, I can now present those tools to other people to help them as well. And so that was the creation of PTS, ptsfaces.tv, which is an online TV channel that helps um, anyone who is suffering or experiencing challenging 
challenges with PTSD to actually go to the channel. And there's lots of videos that I've placed on the channel, lots of blogs that I've been very candid and open about my days of um, my PTSD symptoms. And I've actually had some other friends to post their videos about their experience as well. Interesting. How, um, so I, I have a lot of questions and I, I think there's a lot to, to ask here. So I'm going to try and um, sure. start from like the, most sim the simple way. Hi, Linda. Hey, hi. We are having difficulty with uh, the Skype connection. So I'm in by phone, if that's okay with you too. No problem for us. Hi, Linda. What? Hi, it's good to hear you hear your voice, Sharisa. And Jason, nice job. Oh, now it's I no know problem. I can go on a vacation. <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't leave just I don't yet. know what that is, but I, I think it would be a lovely concept. Um, you did a beautiful job of introducing Sharisa. And we were talking prior to the show about how PTS has so many different faces, and that's one of the reasons she named her program PTS Faces. And I think I'd like to hear your take, Sharisa, on the face of PTS, some of the differences between people, some of the commonalities, certainly, but the differences with how some are PTSD, some are PTS, learning how to manage and cope, and how to thrive. So that's a big question, but can you discuss the face of PTS or the faces? Absolutely. Um, I, I think you hit a key point, which is the faces of PTS or PTSD are totally different. And I think what happened along my journey um, as a nurse taking care of soldiers who came back from war with PTSD is the fact that I saw that. So that's what I became accustomed to thinking that's what PTSD looked like. You know, the soldier who was always having nightmares, the soldier who was anxious all the time, the soldier who just couldn't wrap himself around feeling like there was hope and that he was alone. And he was constantly on medications to kind of have a foundation to be able to work and be himself throughout the day. And so when I saw that on a constant basis every day working in the hospital, then when I had to deal with my PTS, I kind of figured I couldn't have PTS because my PTS didn't look like theirs. I wasn't having the nightmares. I wasn't, you know, just totally loathing in my emotions on a constant basis. My symptoms were basically the insomnia piece. I, I couldn't mm -hmm. sleep because my mind was constantly racing. I had so many thoughts about the things I had seen and the things that I experienced that I couldn't sleep. And then I had the hypervigilant piece. I was totally on, on guard all the time, always looking over my shoulder, any type of backfiring or any type of triggers that would take me back to those four deployments, immediately I would find myself anxious and just wanted to get out of a situation. So definitely that's the reason for the naming the channel PTS Faces because my, my symptoms didn't look like anyone else's symptoms. And as I continued to talk to soldiers, they continued to show me more symptoms that didn't look like mine. And so, of course, they're going to be different. Um, people are going to experience different symptoms, and how they deal with them are also going to be different. Absolutely true. And I think that that's one of the things that we're finding now with PTS care is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. There isn't one therapy that works for every person. 
And there are a lot of varying thoughts on what's the best treatment, what will work best for me, and that kind of thing. So I think another piece I would love to do is to talk about how perhaps it's different uh, with combat PTS and those who, there are many uh, in the drone program, for example, who have some of the most severe PTSD, but it's for different reasons. They've witnessed things, mm-hmm. but from afar. And so mm-hmm. that, I know, surprises the civilian population that you can be playing what they perceive to be video games, except you're doing it with real aircraft and real people on the ground and real destruction. Can you address that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I, can, I can speak for myself. I had to find a way to cope. I had, I had to find a way to deal with my symptoms. And typically, um, again, I feel like a lot of soldiers are placed in a box where you, you get the therapy, you get the medications, and then you're, you're left to just kind of, you know, figure things out from there. And so for me, I, I went down that path. I, I did the therapy. I did the medication. And then I said, because I knew I had the inner strength, to be able to um, deal with my symptoms, I, I figured out a way for me. And the mm-hmm. mechanisms that I used uh, were exercise. Um, I really tapped into my spirituality, and I really tapped into meditation. And so those three components, which is what I described in my Prevention Magazine article, really helped me. And I, I said to prevention, when I would run for miles or when I would prepare for a half marathon, that I felt like every sweat that I was sweating out was like shedding some type of symptom. It was shedding a fear. It was shedding um, uh, some emotions I was dealing with. And if I just needed to cry while I was running, it really relieved me of everything that I, I felt was going on at that moment. And I just continued to use that as my therapy. Now, everybody, they can't do that. That, that doesn't work for them. But there's always something out there that, you know, the soldiers or the dependent or a civilian can tap into that can help them get back to their new baseline. And I believe a lot of soldiers are feeling like they want to get back to that person they once were. And in my experience, I can never be that person I was before those four deployments. There's too many experiences that I've had. So I had to find ways to deal with my new baseline. And for me, those were the three things that actually helped me and still help me on a daily basis. But those are healthy things. And I think what you're bringing out is in, maybe it's because of your nursing background and your strong discipline that you knew to take on healthy coping mechanisms. But I think we all know that that's not what happens with some people. Yeah. And then yeah. a lot of people don't really want to look inside and see what's going on because it's very, very painful. So some yeah. of the treatment modalities that are there are are often they take you through the storm again before you get out of the storm, if that makes any sense. Definitely. Interesting. Um, in terms of the your coping mechanisms, et cetera, we're going to talk about more about this after we come back from the break. But I think that I would love us to discuss the various coping mechanisms, and Jason, I'd love your feedback as well, on other things that you know have worked for folks, because it we are all different. We do react to different things. Each other person has different things in their lives as well, which can change the parameters of what will work, simply from logistics standpoint. 
So we're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're here with Sharice Jackson talking about PTSD and the faces of PTSD. And Jason McNamara and I are out, and we will be back very soon. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. The Woohoo Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse, involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're here with Sharissa Jackson, and Jason McNamara and I are asking some questions about PTS, PTSD, uh, secondary PTS, a lot of things to try and demystify some of the preconceptions about PTSD and PTS and how it affects each person. Prior to the break, we were talking about, Sharissa mentioned that she found that her coping mechanisms were exercise and meds, getting outdoors, etc. I believe that there are others who would say, and Jason, I, I welcome any thoughts you may have, um, not necessarily about yourself, but perhaps about buddies, because what I've seen with many of the families that I serve is often secondary PTS, where some of the symptoms have truly infiltrated their lives as the insomnia piece, for example, or the hypervigilance, or the not wanting to be around crowds. And the housing mechanisms that Sarissa used, that's important. But there are others that cope with it a little differently, maybe with self-medication, or they try to go it alone. I would love to bring in what Jason is doing with squad leaders. And Jason, can you address the importance of peers and being among those who understand in the coping mechanisms and management of PTS? Sure. Yeah. And so just for a little context, um, we operate a, a nonprofit entity that essentially sets up a peer-to-peer network for veterans to interact with fellow veterans. And so we have um, a pretty expansive network. We, we have veterans all around the country and um, we're, we're headquartered in Chicago. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of, of things that are interesting in our sort of experiences with veterans. Um, we actually just came back from a mission trip in Mexico where we took about 15 or so of our veterans 
that were really experiencing high levels of stress and PTS and having some difficulties transitioning out of the military. And we um, built a home for a family. And it was interesting to see the transition um, through that purpose, if you will. Um, you know, here we had veterans that were struggling with transitions. They were struggling with, some of them had sleep apnea. Some of them had severe PTS. They actually were um, highly disabled uh, and connected to, to veteran benefits. And giving them a sense of purpose again and mm-hmm. giving them an atmosphere where they can share their feelings and talk more about that um, gave us uh, a unique perspective that we never really expected. And we actually saw some of these veterans sort of start to open up about their experiences and their exposures. Um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to caveat that. So that, that's what Squad Leaders is really about. Um, and so with the, the peer-to-peer network, what we find with veterans is that they have um, oftentimes, they don't want to actually be aligned with fellow veterans that have uh, PTS. They actually want to be with veterans that are somewhat normal because they are going through sort of the same experiences if they're aligned with someone that has PTS. And they feel a little um, suffocating, if I can say it that way, where they'd rather buddy up with somebody who maybe isn't suffering from the same elements that they are, someone that has a different perspective, someone that gives them hope. Um, So that's what we're sort of experiencing on the squad leader side. Does that answer your question, Linda? Yes, it does, because I think that you're um, showing examples that there are very different ways of manifesting it. I think your point about maybe not surrounding yourself with everyone going through the same thing is also very important. And the the good thing or bad is um, there are many opportunities to discover friends and buddies that are on different parts of the journey to recovery or reintegration or both and are still being troubled by PTS. I mean, it is something that Teresa, you, Teresa, sorry, you mentioned that you thought maybe you'd get back to where you were, but no one ever gets back to where they are after a traumatic experience or even just a life-changing experience, which deployment falls into both uh, categories. So as you looked at um, your groups uh, going through and the faces that you were talking to, the people that you were talking with, did you sense any differences in the way people were approaching their PTS in terms of their outcomes and their willingness to get treatment, whether alternative or traditional? Teresa, do we lose you? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, actually, what, what I've, I've found was that, um, if I could just briefly um, kind of caveat what Jason just said, um, part of PTSFaces.tv, we do have a peer group network, and it is amazing. Um, I was just sitting here smiling as he was talking how veterans, you can see their light just shine through when they are buddied with someone who is not exhibiting the same symptoms as theirs. Um, I can recall a situation where I was um, counseling and or talking with a PTSD um, survivor, and he was really in a serious situation emotionally, psychologically. And I was telling him about my experience with with my motivational way of kind of helping him through and processing his emotions. And I said to him, I said, what is your purpose in life? What, What do you feel is your purpose? And 
he beamed. He 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 glowed like um, like a, a ray of light that I've never seen. And so kudos to Jason and his group. I mean, because I see that as we're out here talking peer to peer with our veterans here and with PTS basis. Now, as far as the approaches and some of the outcomes that I've mm-hmm. seen with the vets who um, that are coming to PTS basis. Some of the approaches are the acupuncture, more of the medical side that I'm used to. So some of them are, are doing acupuncture. Um, some of them are, again, doing the exercise piece. Um, some of them are also, you know, um, integrating themselves in peer-to-peer groups. Some are also taking their experience and being very open and candid and honest about it and being speakers out here to inspire others to say, let's rally around each other. You know, I, I one of the mottos for PTS basis is one mission, one fight. And so if we all have the same mission and we all come together to help each other at our own stages, then we can motivate and inspire others. And the outcome has been great. I mean, I've had people to say to me, and this was the most touching thing ever, they said to me, from what you have told me in the last, hour of us talking, it was the most inspirational, most motivational thing than any therapist has given me in the last year. And that's because we're able to relate to each other. I'm able to show them different approaches that I took. And then I'm able to show them just in their lives what they can use to find their purpose and motivate them to do the very same thing. And again, the outcome has been great. Um, Of course, not everyone follows um, the suit. You you do find that there's soldiers who do need to have a little bit more therapy and and, and have that medication that's required because they have a deep sense of depression. But I tell you, when when they tap into their purpose, the outcome has been very, very, uh, very, very good. And and it just warms my heart when I see that um, they they find another way to cope with their symptoms. I agree with you, but I'm going to ask the difficult question. There are a great number, of, in fact, a fairly high percentage of those veterans who have PTSD diagnosed, um, perhaps PTSD in some cases, and they will not seek help because they have either found hopelessness uh, depression, mm-hmm. or they have tried mm-hmm. care and it wasn't effective for them. Now, of course, these days we are more open about the alternative and complementary therapies, as you mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, we always hear about the ones that fought their way through, um, and everybody has a different journey. Some are very difficult, some adjust easier, and but everyone has had a different experience and a different reaction. But what do you do um, to bring out and draw out, and Jason, I guess this question is for you as well with your group. What do you do for those who are refusing care? They've tried care and it didn't, quote, work. Um, maybe they didn't want to persist with it or it was too painful to go through. What are some of the tips and the suggestions that you give to allow people to open up and to want to do it? Because let's face it, they have to be involved in the management of their PTS before it's really going to give a positive outcome. Absolutely. I, I, I tell you, I have seven principles that I, when I, t- I talk to a PTSD um, diagnosed soldier, vet, civilian, a- across the spectrum, I, I, 
I talked to them about seven principles. And when I told them about the seven principles of how to deal, how to adapt, just in life period, not even knowing how severe their PTSD is, somehow or another, I don't know if it's my approach, I don't know if it's the seven principles, but having to teach them about being at peace with themselves and accepting themselves and following up with them. I'm really good about following up with those people who are a little bit more adamant about not trying to seek out help or not wanting to seek out help. And I can kind of tell just from my nursing experience, those people who are kind of like shunning away from wanting to tell someone that they're hurting or they are challenged or, or they, they, they're alone and going through their symptoms. So when I see those people kind of isolate themselves or not really engaging, those are the ones I try to not pressure, but just follow up with them and let them know that I'm here. And I use my XP, which are seven principles, to tell them to stay optimistic, you know, stay very engaged, you know, be persistent about living and being hopeful about what your life can and will be. And learning how to just cope with who you are in the present moment. And I, I just make sure that I let them know and our, our peer groups um, make sure that these individuals know that we're here to support them. And I, I just feel like following up because, again, I don't want anyone lost um, on, on the journey with PTSFaces.tv. And uh, we try not to be a nuisance. We try not to pressure but we do want them to know that we care and that we are here to help. One of the things that I felt when I was going through my PTSD symptoms was that I was by myself. I couldn't tell my commanding officer that I was suffering. I'm, I'm a captain, you know, I'm soon to be ranked a major. I'm, I'm, I'm seen as an officer who should always be on top of her game. And so when I saw this though, I was going through my my situation. I felt alone, and I definitely don't want these guys to feel that way. And so we just make sure we follow up and make sure we let them know that we're here to support. Okay, that makes sense. And, Jason, I'd love to have your feedback. We're going to a break really shortly. Did you want to add sure. something quickly now and then go into it later? Sure. I mean, I would just start by saying that um, in, in our approach, we actually um, take it from the less sort of confrontation approach, right? So we actually just set up the environment for veterans to start interacting. And then over time, as those interactions start to develop uh, deeper relationships, then there's this sort of natural tendency to want to come out of their shell, if you will. And so, um, you know, speaking against to the mission trip again, uh, you know, we had that opportunity there. So veterans that were really critical um, Jason, were able to I'm open up over time. Stop you yep, go ahead. Because we're going on break now, and we'll talk more about this after the break. Sure. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many of us look forward to the holidays all year long. It is such a magnificent opportunity to get together with family and friends and decorate and give gifts and eat the most delicious food. But numerous people dread the holidays 
As far as their weight, health, and exercise are concerned, they know they'll have so much temptation and chances to derail their healthy lifestyle. Many just resolve themselves into thinking that gaining weight over the holidays is a fact and there is no way to avoid it. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to embrace the holidays. Have a plan before you go to any dinner, party, or event and decide what you're going to eat and stick with it. Yes, there will be temptation, but you can overcome it. Stay with the plan and reap the benefits. You can contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. LinkedIn, it's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're here with Sharisa Jackson and Jason McNamara discussing the many faces of PTS and the differences among each person as they seek help. Prior to the break, we were talking about that the ones who know they need to seek help tend to reach out for people. Others need others to reach out to them. But then there is the group that really does not see a point in continuing care. They've gone once or twice. It makes them feel worse, uh, even though they're told it's going to feel worse before it feels better. It's a process, etc. And Jason, uh, Sharice has mentioned what she does. What do you suggest when that happens, when you're with a family member who says, well, my soldier just will not seek help, and it's sure. really having an effect on the family? Yeah, sure. You know, and we were talking before the break about, um, and I think we've talked about this, Linda, throughout other, um, mm-hmm. throughout other shows, where it's oftentimes those that need the most help are those that, that refuse to seek help, right? And Correct. so how do, you, how do you penetrate that sort of high wall and mm-hmm. um, really sort of connect with that veteran. And in our experiences, we, we come at it from um, a less sort of confrontation approach we were talking about before the break. Mm-hmm. So we set up a relationship for the veteran to interact with another veteran. And over time, as that relationship starts to dig a little deeper, there's a certain amount of comfort that evolves. And mm-hmm. certain things start to open up about their experiences. Whatever those might be, it could be substance abuse, it could be PTS, um, a number of other uh, different kinds of experiences that we've had with our veterans. Um, going back to the mission trip again um, earlier this year, the, the, there were, we brought some very critical veterans. These are veterans that are actually suffering so much that they had lost their jobs, um, they're disconnected from their family, sort of the, the trends that we have talked about in previous shows. And mm-hmm. just in that five days of working together, coming together as sort of a unit, if you will, 
um, we were able to actually, you actually saw veterans that were starting to open up and sort of crumble those walls and be more receptive to it. And we actually had one veteran that started off as sort of a naysayer at the beginning of, of our trip. And towards the end, um, he came to a realization that he actually needed help. Now, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about his problems. He was just interacting with his peers in a very specific, very focused way to help build this home for this family in need. And through that experience, he was able to come to that realization. So it's actually, it, it appears to be like magic, right? Like here we are, we have this veteran who, mm-hmm. who was very, very difficult to overcome some of his, his challenges and he's very high walls. And we put him in this environment where he's rubbing shoulders with fellow veterans and he's getting to build a relationship with them very similarly to how he would when he was in the military. Here's our mission. Let's go after this mission. In this case, our mission was to actually build the house. And through that experience, he sort of was able to, to relax a little bit. And then at the, end of the, at the end of our trip, he was crying, right? He was like emotionally breaking down because he was starting to go through this experience of realizing that he actually needed help beyond himself, beyond his family. And so now he is seeking care. Now he is in a place where he's able to do that. And that's obviously a, a one story of many, but I, I think at least from the squad leader perspective, we, we try to attack it from a different angle. Uh, I think there's other different approaches, but does that answer your question? It does. And I think Sharisa was talking much about the same thing. It's that peer support and survival stories and, and resources and other things that um, both of you offer, uh, offer a hope. And I think that once you can bring someone out, draw someone out into a project, uh, a mission, as you all were doing, it's a good thing. I worry most about those who are in rural areas, uh, who are very isolated, who do that very deliberately so that the world around them doesn't impose on them, because they feel like it is a coping mechanism. I read something last week that was saying, even though you feel like that may be something to help you, oftentimes if you're in a, I'll call it a rut, uh, you're in, the, in a certain space and you can't progress on your journey, doing something differently will help you. And it's having them do something differently that is quite challenging. So for someone who really wants to just hold away, that can start to get to be a habit where they don't wish to seek fellowship with others. And so you both talk about reaching out and, and doing the outreach because, let's face it, the ones who have the most difficulty are not usually the ones reaching out. They may call a crisis line or they may um, write something to friends, but the most severely affected ones are, are really not reaching out. Now, in my experience, it's often the family members that reach out and say, really, can you do anything? Sharisa, uh, do you also work with family members of the uniformed services? So the service members and vets who may not come to you directly, but a family member can come. And then you know of that person and what they may need. Absolutely. I think that's very key that you bring in the entire family. And in uh, everything that we've done with PTSSpaces.tv, we've seen the outcry of the family members saying, you know, my husband or my wife, she is having some difficulties. What can you do to help? I feel like I'm walking on eggshells trying to... Mm-hmm help him, uh, help her each day, and I'm not knowing what I should be doing. And one of the key things that we tell um, the civilians, we tell the um, dependents, we tell even the kids, 
is that you have to accept dad or mom or auntie or or brother or sister how they are now. And once we allow them to, you know, kind of like that marinate for a little bit and understand what that means, then we Mm -hmm. can help them with the family member's symptoms and help them understand the family member's symptoms. And what we found is that a lot of the dependents don't really realize the severity of the emotional and the psychological triggers that their family members have. And so they're going about their day doing what they normally would have done, not knowing the impact it would have on their loved ones. So definitely, I think it's very important to engage everyone, just not engage the soldier or the person experiencing the PTSD, but also engage the loved ones, the family members, even the kids if necessary, because they're all affected. And They definitely are. Yep. And and it's been some cases where it's been the family members who have reached out to us and say, hey, you know, I'm not sure, but I, I think my daughter or I think my husband may have some some symptoms, hey, is there any way that he or she can join the peer group? Can I bring them? Or can we have a one-on-one lunch? And I just make sure we're open to any suggestions they have. So then we can, again, offer the services and offer the resources to help both of them. You know, I, I find that one thing that is still getting very little play and very little understanding is that PTS, PTSD has not only these symptoms that you see, but it's also a, a physical disorder as well as a psychological disorder. It's very much a neuroendocrine or neurohormonal um, condition that can be treated very differently and holistically. And families that I know where they have sought out both types of care have a, a smoother ride because it's sometimes more comforting to think, well, I've got something physically wrong with me with these cascade of hormones that I've got, as well as I know I need to talk to someone. Do you find that that is coming up more often these days, the physical aspects of PTSD or PTS, as well as the psychological, emotional ones? Uh, Definitely, Linda. I think, from my perspective, I think they're intertwined. I think um, from the family members that we've helped, as well as from my perspective, um, I I definitely exhibited the physical as well as the psychological symptoms. My physical symptoms were the depression piece, as well as the psychological piece, was the depression piece, the insomnia piece. I, I, I didn't want to do anything. After my daughters left home and went off to college, and I was left in that condo by myself, and those Four deployment doors opened, and I had to deal with everything. I tell you, my psychological (laughs) symptoms, my physical symptoms all appeared, and I had to deal with them. And so for me, my approach has been always thinking how these two things mesh and how they're intertwined. And Mm -hmm. family members as well as survivors, they come sometimes with one more so than the other, but somehow or another from from the soldiers we've helped, they, they may have one or two or may have all, but they, they all tend to kind of kind of mesh and, and commingle a little bit. Um, but for the psychological, again, we, we have medical professionals on the site who's there to help anyone that's needing therapy. For the physical aspect, again, if you're looking for the holistic treatment of, of getting your body, mind, and soul intact, we have those um, professionals on there that's that's helping 
um, soldiers, you know, get those aspects of their lives together. But definitely, I, I think those two somehow do kind of intertwine and mesh at some point throughout their journey. I agree with you. Jason, what has been your experience with people understanding that PTSD is a physical as well as psychological condition? So, and I actually wanted to, to talk about something and, and ask actually a question to the group. Um, and it, it's sort of in line with this, but I, um, so to, to answer your question, Linda, first, um, we have traditionally seen it to be um, a mental um, or behavioral or substance abuse sort of approach to PTSD, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the, the veterans that we interact with um, start with that and then sort of mm-hmm. the secondary effects end up being physical. Um, mm-hmm. Those can often be like, um, you know, lack of um, activity. They can have, um, you know, lack of motivation. They start to gain weight. I think weight gain is mm-hmm. a big indicator for us as well because they lose the yeah. motivation to do things. Um, so that's how we see the connection in, in our space. And, and I will caveat that by saying that we don't interact with a lot of veterans that have PTSD, um, although the ones that we do tend to have those trends. I, I was curious about um, actually how we go about educating the groups that aren't familiar with veterans experiencing this. And, you know, you know, how do you look at, um, or how do you educate a population of folks, whoever that population might be, be it their loved ones, the community, et cetera, um, on a topic that they have a very hard time connecting to anyway. Well, you know, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because I was very surprised last week, as you know, I do these videos for veteran caregiver and I put one out on PTSD and children, and it garnered 3,600 views in two wow. days. And wow. it just proves that everyone does serve, uh, including after the deployment, and that it does make a difference to realize that everyone in the family is affected by PTSD. So I think this is an important topic that can never be discussed enough because new things evolve out of the experiences of others. And so after the break, I'd love to come back and talk about secondary PTS and what that really means and looks like. And I will just send us on our quick break. This is Military Network Radio with Teresa Jackson and Jason McNamara. And we will be right back after these messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Love 
ranch dressing. I put it on salads, burgers, french fries, and especially pizza. In 1949, a contractor named Kenneth Henson took a job in Alaska for three years. Part of his responsibility was cooking for his fellow workers. During this time, he refined a recipe for salad dressing that included buttermilk, herbs, and spices. Everyone thought his salad dressing was piquant or deliciously stimulating to the palate. After moving back from Alaska, Mr. Henson opened a dude ranch in Santa Barbara, California. The income from the ranch, which was aptly named Hidden Valley, wasn't enough to sustain the over 120 acres. So he started selling his salad dressing. Today, Hidden Valley Ranch is America's favorite or uncabogable salad dressing. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion on the many faces of PTS, or post-traumatic stress. Before the break, we were talking briefly about the fact that um, there were family, there are family members who bring the attention to uh, the medical condition. Uh, there are others in the family that may not understand at all these invisible injuries and how to educate. And we were talking right before the break about even children with PTS and continuing to push out information. But I think that I would love to hear your take, both of you, on the fact that the invisible injuries still are invisible. So what are your ideas to increase the exposure and awareness of the invisible injuries to those who maybe didn't serve. I, I, I have to bring up that I think trauma is often made complex or mystical. You know, combat PTSD can be mystical to a lot of people. And so explaining it that trauma is trauma, uh, it, with slight differences, obviously, and definite severity differences, does that help in your opinion? Teresa, why don't you go first and then Jason? Yeah, I think the educational piece is definitely essential. And and I say that because um, when people have looked at how I conducted myself in the military, I was still a stellar officer. I'm out here still being a good parent to my kids. No one knew the invisible injuries that I was mm-hmm. suffering from PTSD. And so they're thinking, oh, well, Sharice is good. We see her. She's jovial. She's happy. There's no way she's suffering. And so I think the educational piece is so needed because the Mm -hmm. community sees me as just doing great. There's no big deal. She's the CEO. And so what PTSFaces.tv is doing this fall, and I'm so happy about this, is that we're actually going to do a PTSD stand down. And that's basically Mm, going to be a summit where we are going to put PTSD and PTS on the map. It's going to be an educational piece where the community is going to be invited. We're here in the DMV. So for those people who don't know the DMV, um, that's the Baltimore, Maryland, Virginia area, um, D.C. area. And so you're able to come from across the country and really learn and listen about what PTSD looks like, the faces of PTSD, and really have this talk about how someone is experiencing PTSD, what that looks like. So I think that's key that we do that because there's several people who are walking around with wounds that need to be healed and no one is talking to them and because it's invisible. But if people can, can be compassionate and they can 
see those things and, and listen to them, we can all help each other out. So I think the, the PTSD stand down this fall is really going to open up the community to what PTSD looks like. You know, I agree with you about opening it up so that the PTSD people get it. I mean, the uh, community gets it. But yes. we're going, I'm circling back again to those who have PTSD and are isolating themselves. Jason, would you address the educational piece uh, the same way, differently, or, or, you know, with something altogether unusual? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, so the, the piece for us, actually, um, you know, and th again, this is coming from the squad leader perspective, is that we spend a, a considerable amount of time educating our mentors um, mm -hmm. on what PTSD actually is, because we do have mentors that, um, and our mentors, just for some context, are veterans that have served and have successfully transitioned back to their community. Um, you know, some of them don't actually have PTSD, and they, they hear about it a little bit. And um, it's one of those things where they understand what PTSD is, but they never had experience with it. Or they know somebody who maybe had experience with PTSD, and that is their only introduction to it. And so we spend a little bit of time working with our mentors to help educate them on what is PTSD, what does it look like, what are some of the spinoffs from PTSD, um, you know, how do you connect to services if you're experiencing um, some of these trends with your mentee, who's also a veteran, and how do you bring them to a place where they can actually start to receive services. Um, I, so that's the angle that we, we tackle it from the squad leader perspective. And we are partnered with a few organizations that focus in, in PTSD and they do an incredible job of education and outreach and coordination in the community. And so we really lean on them for, for some of our educational support. The, well, the piece that's in, go, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying that the interesting piece that we've discovered over time, and we talked about this a little bit during the break is, is that there's oftentimes the the idea that's, well, I don't have it and I don't know anybody that has it. Therefore, when somebody talks about it, they probably maybe don't have it, right? This sort mm -hmm. of blind um, introduction to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, that part is is a challenge too because those folks are so removed from, from this that they can't connect to it and it doesn't make sense, right? And so if it doesn't make sense, they just have a tendency mm -hmm. to push it away. And yep. so, you know, the, the question I think back to you all is how, you know, how do we tackle that piece? Because the folks that sort of turn a blind eye, um, and not intentionally, I'm not trying to, to paint a bad picture here. It's just they, they have a hard time connecting to it, and they don't understand now, it. I agree with you to a certain degree, but I think that what we're seeing now coming out in more news stories and certainly even on the PTS help pages is that people have not considered that uh, our men and women in blue uh, our policemen, our firefighters, our EMT, our paramedics, they also have high rates of PTS. And it is easier, I think, for the general civilian population to relate to those people because they're in their community. They know the local firefighter or they know yeah. the local policeman. And so when we can relate to trauma being something that they can understand, since most people will not experience combat in their lives, that it does help to bring it home because for years, nobody even thought about the fact that first responders suffer greatly from PTSD. And that's, that's my two cents on being able to put a, a person's face in their mind that they can understand. Because I'm seeing much greater understanding in the last three or four years than before. 
and I think that you're seeing some pretty scary policeman stories going on right now, making yeah. their jobs even more like a combat zone. Um, but I think that that's one thought that I had. Sharice, you have more to add? Yeah, I, I, was, I was listening to you guys, and I think it's, it's the how do we relate. The, I think the community has to relate to an individual in order to mm-hmm. really be sympathetic and empathetic to PTSD or PTSD. And I think you really hit the nail on the head that, you know, when we see our community leaders, our officers, our first responders out here, we can relate to that. We see that. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. we're talking about our soldiers, if you're not in the military, you're not going to relate to what war is and what war mm-hmm. looks like and, and mm-hmm. us coming back from war. So therefore, right. we, we, we are detached. And that's the piece mm-hmm. that really kind of bothers me with the community is that when you tell them about war and what we saw and what we experienced, they can't, they can't sympathize. They were, it's kind of like, well, you chose the military. You chose that route. So it's almost like an expectation that we should be experiencing some of the things that we experienced because we chose that, that, that job and we chose that route. And so I think it's the relational piece that a lot of people don't get when you start mm-hmm. talking about PTSD and PTSD. They, they can't relate because they don't see it or they haven't experienced it. And or they the don't want to see it so important. because it's, it can be too painful. I think there it's is a painful. great fraction of our population that is very grateful that others do volunteer, do mm-hmm. go to war for mm-hmm. our freedom. I, I think it's appreciated. I yep. think they want to understand the willingness is there but the experience matching the experience doesn't which is again why i try and pull it back to things that they can understand Um, because at least if you could pull the empathy out of people to listen and Mm -hmm. to not ask stupid questions because that's the other thing is if you ask people questions that should not be asked Um, one way we heard of through one of our other shows with dr harry croft was that when people won't be won't seek care, oftentimes it's to mention to them what the what what I see. I, this is what I see happening, and perhaps you don't see it, but here's what it feels like to me. And mm-hmm. you get a dialogue going, and and a lot of times it's just talking about it because it's not that people don't want to help; they generally do. They just don't know how. I agree. I, I totally so agree. Is that part of what you do with PTS Spaces? Absolutely. Uh, PTS Spaces is, is unique in that way because we want to offer that help. We want to offer that support by by any means necessary. That's, that's our goal is to be able to offer resources that can help any individual dealing with PTS or PTSD, dependents, civilians, uh, you know, first responders, anybody that comes to the channel is just not pertinent to veteran soldiers. And um, that is definitely our goal, Linda. Yeah, I I think it's a a noble one. Um, Jason, question to you. Um, In terms of the alternative therapies for PTS, which are the ones that you're seeing um, are helping the ones that you're around? I realize this is a subjective question, but I'm always trying to make sure that people know uh, some of the different modalities that can work for them or to try for them. Yeah. So um, a, a couple of thoughts on that. One, we find that I think veterans that feel connected to their community have a higher tendency to engage in different types of um, opportunities, whatever those might be, both in the context of seeking help and also mm-hmm. in the context of um, trying new things, right? We've had a couple of guests on our show that have talked about um, 
you know, engaging veterans with sports activities, for example, mm-hmm. and how, how they can use that as an angle. Um, one of the things that we're using as squad leaders is developing these mission-oriented trips. And, mm-hmm. uh, and But what we did on this trip, I didn't talk about this earlier in the show, is that we actually had a clinical psychologist um, on the trip with us who actually works with, veteran, with veterans. And so should something happen or should there be a need to sort of communicate and talk about things, we have somebody that's there that can sort of provide that support. And so it's really sort of, um, <laughs> I, I hate to use this analogy, but I think this is the most clear, but you know, when you're, when you're training an animal, right. Or when you're training a person, you, you don't necessarily confront them directly with what you're trying to do. I, I just mm-hmm. have a new, pu- I have a new puppy and we're teaching her how to sit. Right. And we're using mm-hmm. treats to help, <laughs> help motivate her, but she doesn't know that she's actually learning sit until she's already exactly. actually already, already learned the command it's sit. It's a because, good analogy. Right. Right. And so, and, right. And so this is sort of the approach here, right? So let's, you know, let's approach it from, you know, let's put, put the veterans on these trips Let's give them an opportunity to engage with their fellow veterans and then have the opportunity at the, you know, through it to actually go through some decompression and, you know, relax their, um, their willingness to, uh, or their, their hesitancy to engage in and help. So that's how we're tackling One, here squad leaders. Wonderful. Um, we have run out of time. Um, Charissa's uh, organization, you go to ptsfaces.tv and you have listened to Charissa Jackson of uh, PTS Faces. And this is Military Network Radio. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your